amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the ICAST Media Network and the Racing Spotlight. Sit back and enjoy as we have interviews with drivers and teams and listen to their aspirations of becoming their next series champions here on the iCast Media Network. Hello world and welcome to another edition of the Racing Spotlight here on iCast.network. iCast Media presents and tonight I think of, of all nights... My excitement level is way up there because we have a young man, our youngest that we have ever had as our star tonight, and that would be Mr. Brandon Wind. Brandon, tell him how old you are and where are you from? I'm, I'm Brandon Wind. I'm 12 years old from Woodridge, Illinois. When did you turn 12, Brandon? No, I'm 11. Okay, now just don't confuse an old man, all right? <laughs> that got me confused because I thought you were loving. Well, when when we first started talking, your dad and I first started talking, you were a very interesting case to me because you are the second youngest, or you are the youngest we've ever had on here. And the previous one was like 13 years old, but... How did you get interested in racing? What started your interest? So it was my first, it was my sixth birthday party, and we went to K1 Speed down in Edison, Illinois. Once I got into the go-kart, I just got that spark that my mind said, racing's my life. Wow, that is impressive. I like that. So where did it go from there? From there... I drove electric go-karts, won a lot of races, and won championships. My first race in, at K-Wood Speed, I was eight years old. I was scared to race. I had the lead, caught by a caution, lap traffic, finished third, ended up winning next race and six more wins that year. That was in your first year? Yep. Well, nobody can't say you're not good because that is quite a record for your first year. And you were six at that time? Um, my first race, I was eight. Wow, how just more and more impressive you are. Well, 
I tell you what what special memory do you have of that first race? Tell me what sticks out in your mind about that first race. That first race, I was in the lead. Just I had the top three right behind on my bumper. They were just t fishtailing me until the caution came out. And what happened when the caution came out? Car, a car went around, and then in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and win this. And then you fell back to third. Why? What caused you to fall back to third? At the beginning, I didn't get a very good launch. And my line going into turn one wasn't very good, so I got passed by the top two. Well, that's still a pretty good run. I'm, I'm impressed by that statistic there by itself. Go-karts are a very special type of racing. And I, I've always been a stock car man. But I have learned so much about every different form of motorsports, including high racing, since we've been doing this show. And I'm really impressed about that. And we'll get to it in a minute. But I learned something from going to your your webpage, Wind Racing, that you race half-size cars. Is that correct? Now is what you're doing? Yes. This year I won mini cups. That's what they're called. And they're beautiful. That that car of yours, I've looked at it, and, and I couldn't, the first time I saw it, I really couldn't get over it. It looked like, I don't know, is it a Mustang, I think? Yeah, it's a Mustang. And it looks just like a Mustang that's on the NASCAR circuit right now, but it's half the size. Yes. What kind of engine do you have in there? Um, we run a Honda GX390 power washer engine. And how much horsepower does that produce, or does it, is it measured in horsepower? We, do, we have like 13 horsepower. Well, that's not bad for a car that size. Now tell me about the tracks you race on. Are they, what size are they? And they're asphalt, I assume, right? Yes. Oh, we race at like quarter miles in one in one road course. Oh, how long is the road course? The road course is like two miles, about two miles. Wow. Brandon, you are really an up-and-coming driver, no doubt about it. I am impressed. That really impresses me. But when you, when you get out there and you're racing, how many cars are you racing against? This year, I'm racing about 20. And has your season started yet? Not yet. When does it start? Starting May 16th. May 16th, so we don't have long to go. Well, you're all excited about that, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, what about last year? How did COVID, did it mess up your entire schedule? It messed up our schedule a lot. Then we started doing an iRacing series for the beginning part until we got back out there. Well, at least you got back out in some of the season running. And, and is that the year you won the championship, or which year did you win the championship? I won it, yeah, I won it last year. What all did it take to win that championship last year? I mean, that's that's a big accomplishment for an 11-year-old. Well, the 10-year-old then. It was really hard. I had to 
do a lot just to win. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, do you work on your own car? I'm sure you dad helps you, but do you work on your my car? Dad, my dad works on a lot. Sometimes I work on it. Oh, so you make him do all the heavy work, right? <laughs> but at the track, I help him. Oh, okay. Well, that works. Well, you've got school going on, so that takes a lot of your time. Uh, what do your classmates think about your racing? A lot of them are amazed, and a lot of them really don't care. Well, that's about the way it splits down. Well, the one, do any of them come to watch you race? No, but I have one of them in contact with. He loves coming to watch my races. Well, that's your first fan, probably your first out of your family fan. And I'm sure I'm quickly becoming a fan because I'm just so impressed by everything you've done. And I just can't get over that car. Tell them how to get to your website so all of our listeners will be able to see what we're talking about, Brandon. www.winmotorsports.com. And folks, go take a look at that website because if you will take a look at that, you'll learn a lot more about Brandon than we will have time to go into tonight. But you will also get to see these cars that I did not even know existed that are so absolutely to me absolutely amazing uh, how did you feel starting your first race going all the way back to the go-karts when you sat down the first time were you nervous were you scared were you excited how did you feel I was really scared to do it right as I sat down I'm like I'm really scared I was really scared. Why did you do it? Um, that's, a, um, that's a hard question, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people, I, I know, a lot of people get in the race car and they think, hey, I've wanted to do this, and then they get scared. But then you overcame your fear, and you went on, and you're going on. To a very successful career and I know a particular guy here in Columbia that raced one race and that was all he worked so hard to buy his car get it to the track and he was so scared that night when he got in the car I think he was going 25 miles an hour around that track and he got out of the car and said that was it next day he sold the car for probably one-fourth of what he paid for it but you stuck with it. Now, why did you stick with it? Because I knew it would be fun. And that's the way you've worked into it is, is a fun side now, right? Yeah. All right, is there a downside to racing for you? Is there something about racing you don't like? The only really thing I don't like is just rolling over. Have you done that? Not, not yet. Oh, you had my heart flipping for a minute. Thank, thank you, roll it over the beautiful Mustang. But this this Mustang that you had, did you buy it or did you all build it? We bought it. Is there a like a race shop or whatever that sells these cars? You can go to Hole in One Motorsports. Okay, because I just had never, as I said, I had never seen them, 
But y'all run where in Illinois and where else? Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana. So you are a traveling man. Whoa, all over. That's pretty darn good. And most of the competitors that you used to racing against are right there with you, right? Yep. That's wonderful, Brandon. I, I just like that. Well, what other activities do you participate in? Any hobbies or anything you have? Not really much. I just like to play test my friends the time I have. Do you have a lot of spare time or is most of it dedicated to racing? Um, a lot of the days dedicated to racing, but school takes up a lot of my time. Do you participate in any school activities? In any school activities? Uh, I did Taekwondo before COVID. Now, what is that? Uh, it's like karate, but a different form of it. Oh, okay. See, I just learned something else from you. You're the teacher tonight. Believe that. You're teaching me all kinds of things. All right, let's talk about your future, Brandon. What sitting here tonight what do you see in your future is racing there or what you going to do racing's there for me in the future all right what is your plan what is your timetable and how far do you want to go and one to two more years in supercars i'm i'll move on to legends or late models now, how is the late model circuit up in Illinois? Um, it's not bad. Yeah, because we've got... Now, when you get to the Legends cars, I know they race all over the country, but it seems that the big events they have at Charlotte Motor Speedway is where everybody works to get to. Do you have any plans of coming down and running those? Oh, uh, yeah, I would like to. Well, you will let me know when you're coming, right? Because that's only 100 miles from me. Okay. And I'll come up there and watch you run. So you see how this guy runs. Now, they don't run these super minis anywhere near South Carolina, do they? No. Wait. Yeah, they do. They, they run a race at Dillon Motorsport Park. Oh, okay. I'm very familiar with Dillon. I've been over there several different times. Nice racetrack. So I don't guess you'll be coming down to run there, though, right? Yeah. No. In November. In November you're coming? Yep. Hot dog. That ought to be the end of COVID long gone. And I've had my vaccine, so I ought to be able to come over and watch you run. But it is a very nice track in Dillon. That, that whole place over there is nice place to run so I look forward to you getting down here to get a chance to run that now when when you're talking to do you know any other kids your age that want to get into racing I talk to a lot of people that would like to get into super cops what do you share with them what advice do you give them I give them advice where they can get the car and if they do like, want to race with us? I tell them the website and everything. They need to know. If they came to the track where you're racing and came up and said to you, Brandon, how do you drive this track? Would you be able to give them any specific secrets? 
I would. And so you would share what you know with them. That's great. Now tell me about your fans. Obviously, you have got to have a lot of fans. I I have a lot of them. Do you spend a lot of time in the grandstands or a lot of times around the fans? Yeah, usually this is correct that we are going to race up called Grundy County Speedway. Mm-hmm. A lot of my relatives go there, and during the breaks that we're not racing, we head up there to be to be at the fans and our relatives. Oh, that's great. That's great because I think a lot of times it's what you see now in, in the NASCAR Cup Series. The fans don't get a lot of interaction with the drivers, and neither do they in the Xfinity Series. But I think what you're doing and what most of the young drivers that we've had on this show do is you associate with the fans very well. And you would be surprised, really, at the comments that I get from some of the people that meet the drivers that have been on this show at just how great and congenial and everything else they are. Just beautiful. All right, tell me about your sponsors. My sponsors are ESP Baseball, Slash Softball, Paragon, Commercial, Interior, Hobson Dental, Burger City, Kuhar Vision, Ray Drips, O'Keefe, and Associates. And all that fits on a mini stupor stock? That's a lot of sponsors, man. Yeah. I'll tell you. Well, do you do any appearances with the sponsors? Like, do you go out to their shop or, or whatever, their business, and set up and sign autographs? Yeah, we, we went to about three of them so far. And how is the reception there? Do you have a lot of people show up, or, you know, what's the reception there? Well, a lot of people that show up to our place. Man, that's great. Do you do it by yourself, or are there other drivers involved? Uh, just really by myself. Man, Brandon, you are just more and more impressive everything that comes out of your mouth. That's that's just really so great at what you're doing because you're building quite a fan base by doing that. So, you know, I just, I, if, I'm already a fan, and I want to see how far you're going to be able to go. All right, is there anyone special that you would like to recognize that's helped you outside of your father that has helped you in your career so far? Steve Naples, that's the guy we got the car from. Mm-hmm. He has a great series. He's a great driver. Did he help you any in learning how to drive? or? He helped me a lot with driving. And how did he do that? Did he just stay on the radio with you or exactly he what? Helped me, he helped me with some of the lines that a couple of the tracks and helped us work on the car in our first year. Fantastic. That is really great. And he's still, I'm assuming he probably still helps you out a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay, what is important to you that we haven't discussed? Not really much. So you think we've talked about your entire racing career, and I've, I have been impressed. But let's tell the, the listeners one more time now. Explain to them what the 
super minis are and and engine everything just tell me all about your race car the the car is a half size nascar race car with a honda gx390 power washer engine ford micros and four mustang speeds up to 70 miles an hour on short track 100 miles an hour on road course gets look get great looking wrap by ray draft it, it is a great looking car folks you need to go to Win Motorsports and check out that car. I saw it for the first time last night, and I absolutely could not believe I was blown away by the detail and the beauty of that car. And I did I just hear you say you go 100 miles an hour on a road course? Yeah. How in the world? <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here trying to imagine on, on that car how close do you race with the other guys? Are you drafting, or how close? Yeah, I'm, do you... draft. I'm drafting. I'm usually bumper to bumper and door to door with them. Can you feel the effects of a draft at 100 miles an hour in a car that size? Mm. No, I can't really feel the effect. But you know you're drafting. Now, when you're racing side by side, is it any of this rubbing back and forth like? Rubbing his racing deal? Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine there would be. What's the average age of the, the drivers in this division? There really isn't. It's usually 9 to 70 years old. 70? Well, I could almost make that then. I'm a little bit too old. But that, so that's great. Last season, I was racing with a guy. He, he was like 78 years old, and I was racing with him for two seasons. Did you beat him? I beat him a lot. <laughs> Good answer. I like that. I really do. Well, the thing about it is, that sounds like it's a wide-open circuit, and how I have gone through this much of my life and knew nothing about it, I, I just don't know, but I'm very appreciative <laughs> to you and your father for bringing it to my attention. I hope to be able to I hope to be able to see one of those races. When you get down here to Dillon, don't forget to let me know when you're coming to Dillon because so much goes on in this world with the racers. It's sometimes it's hard for me to keep up, but I do I do want to try my best to get over there. And meet you and your father and see this Mustang. Don't bind that Mustang up now before you get it down here. We'll let you know when we're coming down there. That'll be great. That will be great. All right. I've got a question here now. This may be a little bit hard to answer. But in one sentence, tell me what racing means to you. Racing means my life. I would love to do it 24-7, but... A lot of my time has, I have a lot of stuff to do in my spare time. Well, do you follow NASCAR racing? Do you do you watch the races on Sunday? Yes, I do. Who's your favorite driver? 41, Cole Custer. Oh, you got a good one. Cole is a great guy. He is really a great guy. Have you met him? No, I have not. Well, you will, because he is just that kind of guy that will come around and talk to you and, and share a lot of time. I've done some appearances 
with him a couple of times, and he he he's just man. I can't tell you there are a lot of guys that I don't care too much for, and I'm just saying that as far as personality wise. But Cole Custer is really a good one. Pick to find one for a hero. You want to go to cup racing, right? Yes, I do. What's your favorite cup track? My favorite cup track was Chicagoland until it was off the off the schedule. All right. What about now? Now, I like Michigan. Michigan's a good track. I like it too. Um, I, I'm kind of partial to Darlington because it's only about 70 miles from me and I started going there in 1957 when they ran the first convertible race and that's a unique track for sure but you know everything that you've told me tonight has, has impressed me beyond words Brandon it's just I can see your future really being exactly what you want it to be because you've got the drive and you've got the desire and the way you answered that question about one sentence that absolutely lets me know you can do it you can do it I want you and your father to keep doing what you're doing because I am going to be a big fan of yours and I will be following you on social media right on through you can count on that okay all right, I want to thank you and your father for spending time with us tonight. And to tell you all that this show will be archived about 8.45 p.m. tonight. And you can go to that same link that I gave you earlier today, and you can listen to it anytime. It'll be archived right there. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much, Brandon. Best of luck to you. Andy, thank you so much. We will be talking to you again, I'm sure. So y'all have a good night and hang in there. Thank you. Have All right. Good night. See ya. All right, folks. There you go with a young man that's got a future in racing without a doubt. And I am so proud that we've been able to get him on the show tonight. It's just one of those type situations that, you know, you come across something, you stumble across something, and what are you going to do? You want to get him on so bad, you want the whole world to know about this man. All right, there's something else I want the whole world to know about, and that is ICAST.network. That is our home website, and you can go to ICAST.network and sign up to become a member, and membership is free. That's right, free. Not only free, but it can be rewarding. One thing you can get through our network is a VPN, a virtual private network, which... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. 
agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We'll protect you from the prying eyes of the internet thieves that run around with all their adverse whatever it is they're trying to do. Protects your identity and your privacy. You can, with a VPN, appear to be located almost anywhere in the world. And we use the VPN quite extensively here at ICAST.network. Also, as a member of ICAST.network, you may join the NRA at a discounted rate or renew your current membership at a discounted rate. We all know, or you should know, that our Second Amendment rights are under threat right now more than they have ever been, and we have got to protect that amendment. Dan Henson does a show on Sunday morning on America's Heartland Voice, which is a part of the ICAST.network, which covers and goes into so much detail of the NRA and why it is so important that we protect the Second Amendment rights. And I'm sure you also notice that the First Amendment rights are already under attack, and if we lose those, there goes everything our forebears fought for and many gave their lives for. We cannot let that happen. Speaking of freedom, our network is also known as the Freedom Network. We strive hard to be a force for freedom in all that we do. If you would go to ICAST.network and just check out the homepage for all that is there, you will see this is a deeply meaningful cause in our lives and in our network. Also on ICAST.network, we have Cast Chat. That is a place where you can chat racing with people that may happen to be on the site at the same time you are. That is really just getting established and just getting off the ground. So go ahead and join and become a member, and then you'll have a chance to cast chat with anybody you want to. And once you join our network, and don't forget the membership is free, you will be able to enjoy all the advantages of a freedom-loving member. Each time you visit, you will earn ammo points, which will place you in the running for gift cards at different periods of the year. And this is something that you'll get a gift card for. I tell you, we've already awarded one. So in essence, membership is not only free, but there is a chance that you could earn a gift card, something like being paid for listening. I think we're probably the only podcast going that does something like that. So see all you listeners, whether you're listening live or listening in the archives, you've got something waiting out there for you with ICAST.network. And I hope you take advantage of it because it really is a meaningful meaningful thing to be a part of something that supports freedom as much as our Freedom Network and America's Heart-Led Voice when Dan does his show on Sunday morning 8 o'clock Eastern Time America's Heartland Voice and it is quite a show alright time for Network ID now that we have your attention thank you for listening to ICAST Media the Freedom Network. Visit us at ICAST.network. Now, back to the podcast. 
Okay, now it's time to get Mr. Cody on the phone. Uh, I will do that. I will do that. We don't want dead air, but we just had dead air because I was trying to do six things at once here. Hello, Mr. Dinsmore. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. I took the day off today for the first time in several months, and sometimes it's just nice to sit and have a, have a day of nothing much. Well, I'm glad you took a day off because I know you have been working hard, no question about it. What made you decide to take the day off? I don't know. No real reason. Just It just seemed like the just the right opportunity and we had the everything covered and thought well i'm just gonna t i'm just not gonna do anything today and you know it's the last time i i've just been at home with not much to do was uh was new year's day so it's been a it's it's been kind of a well-needed break <laughs> you mean you haven't taken a day off since new year's day no whether i'm doing you know whether Whatever it is I'm doing, uh, you know, whether I'm working the distillery, the museum, or doing some odd jobs here or there, or something like that, I I I haven't. <laughs> so it's uh, good to good to take a break like that. It is, and you, your work ethic is. Huh, I'm telling you, just beyond comparison. I think. Well, in the racing world, what do we have going on in Phoenix? I understand. From from the things I understand, the truck race was a, was a marathon event. I yeah, didn't I yeah. didn't watch it. The Xfinity race. Uh, well, the uh, I I saw a little bit of the Xfinity race. Uh, didn't see, uh, you know, too terribly much of it. But uh, you know, I saw the most of the Cup race, which I normally do for for the week, or you know, that's the one I try the most to to watch and. Um, you know, I got to watch a good bit of it up at the pool room, and uh, I went up there because it looked like Chase was doing pretty good when I when I closed up at uh, down at the distillery in the museum. You know, I think Chase, I think he had he had led some, and and he was, you know, seemed like he was coming back through the field. And I said, well, I'm just going to go up to the pool room and and watch it and have a good hamburger. And uh, you know, eventually he, I don't remember what it was. Uh, was it a, a pit stop penalty or something like that? It may have been, um, Cody, but it's like we talk about, you know, I get about the only race I watch all the way through is the cup race. I don't watch yeah. the truck race because Friday nights are totally inconvenient for me to do that. Saturday, I may catch the Xfinity race, parts of the Xfinity race. But Sunday, I try to watch it all. But, you know, it all runs together. And it's hard for me to believe, you know, I saw the Xfinity race, but I couldn't tell you who won it. Cedric did, yeah. Austin Cedric yeah. won it. And, you know, by, by the time it all runs together, it's just the type of deal, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the whole situation is, frankly. Well, I, I can understand that. Sometimes it does, uh, that kind of stuff does run together. And, um, you know, especially if there's nothing really that, that jumped out at you about exciting for the uh for either race it 
you know, I can understand it. It may get, you know, sort of jumbled together, you know? So that being said, I, you know, it was, it was just kind of an average race for me as far as Phoenix goes. Um, you know, just nothing really jumped out at me as, as exciting. I mean, there was a, there was a few instances here and there that were, you know, sort of exciting to watch, but there was just nothing really that said, wow, that was a, that was a great race. Well, what was your opinion you know, overall of the race? Oh, uh, I mean, it was, it was okay. It wasn't, wasn't great and it wasn't terrible. Uh, I, I think that kind of like what we see with Martinsville, what, when's the last time there was a really exciting, uh, spring Martinsville race? It's been a little while. When Logano, because now moved, that, when Logano moved uh, Martin Truex out of the way. <laughs> well, but you're was, right. That was in the fall. The whole race sucked, but the end of it was pretty yeah. good. You know? Right. And so it, it's kind of like Martinsville. You know, how many how many exciting spring Martinsville races have we've had lately? And it's all, you know, the, the good racing is, is right there at the end of the season because there's so much on the line. So just like last last year with phoenix being the finale you know it seemed like to be a better race or better quality racing than it was this time but you know i'm looking forward to the next two weeks that's that's my radar uh of course we're going to we're going to atlanta uh this weekend and i wish i was but i'm not um i might have i might have mentioned it but one of my best friends is uh this weekend is his bachelor party and the next weekend is his wedding which the next weekend is bristol dirt and i really hate that i'm going to miss the opportunity to watch some of those races you know so or at least in you know at least in person or live or whatever but i'm definitely going to be recording um both of them but you know i I think we talked about before with atlanta um you know it's atlanta is one of those tracks where it's you just kind of sit and wonder what's going to happen with it uh, you know, because unfortunately, I I said, and I'm glad I was wrong, but I said back in 2015 that give it five years and Atlanta would lose its date. Um, you know, because 2020 was when the when the track uh, agreements were up. You know, and after that, it was you know supposed to be different schedules and different tracks and whatever. And I really thought that Atlanta was going to lose a race. And of course, you know, to my surprise, they added the race. Um, you know the drivers love Atlanta because it's one of the oldest surfaces on the schedule. It's rough. It's it's slick. It's really got to drive it. Um, you know Atlanta. I think starting at about 2017 said that we're going to repave, and you know uh, there was just so much backlash from it. They said, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait, and eventually I think they just kind of wrote that off that they weren't going to repave it. Um, you know, and there has been proposals being uh, displayed and showed out about. A potential casino, the first casino in the state, would be on the grounds of Atlanta Motor Speedway. And in every rendering that they show for that proposed casino, they show the track in the background, and it's the old layout of the traditional oval. That's what I was going to ask you, Cody, because I have heard in the last two weeks, I have heard that brought up probably 50 times, and the rumors are stronger hmm. and stronger. Every time that it's going back to the old Atlanta, which I really loved. Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't know one person that didn't like old Atlanta, you know. And it's just they're trying to keep up with the times in '97, and you know, jumping to Texas and Vegas and Charlotte, and 
know, all these tracks that were kind of popping up and getting redone and all that kind of stuff. And it just, I, I guess it made sense to somebody back in 1997, uh, when they done the, the D shape oval, and of course, you know, not, not to put down it, there hasn't been some good racing there. Oh, yeah. Um, especially once the track got to a mature age, about four or five, ten years old, there was some great racing there. Um, it's been, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say lackluster, but there just hasn't been a lot of good racing going on the last couple of years. It could mean something to do with the rules package as well. But, yeah, every every rendering I've seen has the track looking like an old oval. And I, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, because you, you look at, you know, what is going to be done about California, go from a two-mile track to a short track, which is just crazy to me that that was an actual idea. So I, I don't think that it's out of the question. And I think it's going to depend on if, you know, y- you can't really judge the crowd this year. But, you know, I think just fan input and driver input and all that kind of stuff. But... I think if they put it back as uh, old Atlanta, I think it would it would have a very very unique selling point to to NASCAR. Um, Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know, because right now, if, if I was NASCAR and I'm looking at different racetracks, because, you know, they, they had the, the deal with with uh, National Fairgrounds last last week to where the mayor signed off that, you know, we need to look at renovating to bring NASCAR in, and it seems like they're going in the right step. But if I'm NASCAR right now and, you know, everybody in the world is saying different different racetracks, no cookie cutters, short tracks, road courses, whatever, and if I'm Atlanta Motor Speedway, I'm going to say, you know, there's a chance that they would cut one of these uh, mile-and-a-half D-shaped tracks, and we don't want it to be us, so let's make sure that we give them something that they're not going to cut. Right. Which, in turn, would be that, you know, old Atlanta, remind me if I'm wrong, but it was quarter-mile straights and half-mile turns. Is that right? That is exactly right. But you know who did not like old Atlanta? Who was that? William Tecumseh Sherman. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wish he'd make a return trip. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm. I, I wish I could be in Atlanta this weekend. I really do because it's it's been on, it's been since 2015 since I've been to a NASCAR race. Period. And uh, you know, it's it's. I wanted to go there. I want to go Bristol Dirt, and I want to go to. Uh, throwback weekend at Darlington, and then of course 
you know, my plans got flawed this, this week and next week. And then, uh, Darlington throwback race is now on mother's day, which that's not always never a good idea to go to a race on mother's day. Well, is it mother's so, day or is it Saturday before Cody? No, it's, it's actually on mother's day. Hmm. Well. So, you know, I, I was, I was told from an inside source that the teams kept complaining that throwback weekend was distracting because last year it was the first race of the playoff. And I said, how can it be distracting if it's just paint schemes? You know, it's not like you're driving a whole different car. So well, regardless, right. that, that's, that's why it was moved to Mother's Day. Well, you're right. But, I mean, you know, they can find enough to complain about any time they want to. <laughs> you know, and, and changing the subject for just a minute. Uh, Bubba Wallace is testing the next-gen car. This yeah, week, oh, this yeah. week or next week? Where is it? Martinsville. Uh, Richmond. Richmond. Okay, tell me. If every time I've seen the next gen car, it's always the same car, and I realize that for a purpose. But somebody said on social media today that all cars in the next gen car next year are going to have that exact same body. How can that possibly be? I don't think so, because it's, it's always been my understanding that that was just a real generic body um, that was just suitable, because right now they're working on testing the chassis, the setup, the engine, the transmission, the car itself. Uh, and then, because all the manufacturers have to submit a design, and it should be, I think, by April. Uh, it's sometime soon, April or May. And for it to get approved, and, and if NASCAR needs them to make any changes to it, so that they can start unveiling it later this year as to this is what it's going to look like. Um, so everything that they're just testing right now has just been a generic body, uh, just because it it doesn't quite matter as much about the body right now because they're trying to get the mechanical stuff figured out. So, well, I know they've got to figure out the mechanical end of it. But that's still going to be the 550 horsepower deal, do you think? Or what do you think about uh, that? I don't know because I don't think that's been too much is said about the engine. I'm still questioning if it's not going to be a V6 because they just sound so different. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It could just be the way that they got the headers and the. Yeah, I mean, you remember those 180 degree headers they ran in the 70s and oh, 80s? Yeah. And how and how different they sounded on a V8. Um, but I know they rewrite, they redone the headers and the, where the exhaust comes out at, but they do sound very, very much different from the current cars. Um, and part of me th is thinking there's, I, I just think there's a good chance that they're, they're potentially running a V6 and that's not a bad thing. I mean, V6s can make a lot of horsepower. They may not have that, that grumble of the V8 or whatever, but you know the only cars you get V8s in nowadays are pickup trucks, uh, Corvette, Mustang, Challenger, uh, Charger. You know, and that's about it. But so, if, I mean, if your president gets his way, it'll be electric cars. I think that's a that's a real possibility. Uh, you know, maybe maybe not by next year, but in the next. 
10 years for sure. I know a lot of, a lot of auto manufacturers are already saying that they're going to, uh, start switching to selling only electric cars. I think GM was one of them by like 2030. I don't know if anybody's 2025, but definitely within the end of the decade, there will be, um, a large number of fully electric cars. All right. What I was reading today is the, so far, the maximum mm-hmm. miles that you get out of a, a charge, the maximum is th- 300. What do you do? How really? long does it take to charge it? Uh, I think on some cars nowadays, it's like a 15-minute quick charge or something, 30-minute. Yeah, so it's not like stopping for gas, pumping the gas and taking off down the road. You got to sit there for 30 minutes while the car charges. Right. Well, I can think of somewhere else I'd rather stick that charger. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of them myself. I mean, everything I've ever owned is gas guzzling, and <laughs> I mean, it's not, not quite a, a good thing, but, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I'm just not a huge fan of electric cars. It's just something about, too, the, the sound, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm just old school like a lot of us here. Uh, as far as what does that mean for NASCAR... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they will be one of the last ones to ever go. I don't know if they'll ever go fully electric. I mean, 50 years from now, maybe if it's still around. But, um, you know, I think that if, if they do, if it ever comes a time where they they will go fully electric, I think it'll be, the, I think they'll be the, the last one to do it, the last major racing organization to do it. Um you know, because if they're already coming out, if they're already testing now a different power plant, just say if it's a V6, if they're already testing that now, you know, F1 and EMS and all that, they were testing hybrid stuff this time 10 years ago. Um, so I, I think NASCAR is definitely behind the times because, I mean, look at look at how long ago it was that we got rid of the carburetor. It was like 2012. Um, and look, look how just how recent it was when the cup cars went to a digital dash. It was about three years ago, I think. Yeah, about right. Yeah. And, and so that we may be going on that path, but I don't think it's going to be next year. You know, I, I think because if you look at NASCAR comparative to other forms of automobile racing, Indy, F1, IMSA, um, whatever, everything they do, it shows up to NASCAR five to ten years later. And so if we're just now testing a new generation of car that will be the first totally different car in in NASCAR's history, um, I I think it's going to be a long time before anything as radical as a fully electric car ever reaches NASCAR if it does. Yeah, I think... You know, I tend to think you're right, but I think with the government pushing all this electric crap and green new deals and all this senseless, you know, I don't want to get in politics, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just I can't see, I can't see that happening. I don't want to drive a damn electric car. I have a brother-in-law with a Prius, and every time we go to visit them and I have to ride in that damn thing, I, I, God, it is a total embarrassment to be seen in a Toyota 
and much less to be seen in a Prius. So I just carried me a paper bag, cut two eye holes out, and put it over my head when we go riding somewhere. Well, I, I, I can understand you, Tim, and, and not to get sidetracked off racing, but, uh, you know, it occurred to me last week when I filled up, cause, you know, I have a diesel F-250, 32-gallon tank, and just since, in the last three months, it's gone from about 60 bucks to fill up to about mm, 86, 87. Mm-hmm. And I, I still need my truck. You know, I still use it as a truck. But I thought I, I do need to look at something, get a little bit better gas mileage. And so I popped into the local dealership last week and I accidentally walked out with a car. Um, I've never done that before. I've never just gone in, found something and well, first, I've never bought a car from dealership before, but, you know, everything that I've got, I've, I've planned for it. I've researched it. I've thought about it, and this was not really a spur-of-the-moment thing, but I knew what I wanted, and I went and got a, not new, but it's a 2018 Lincoln Continental, so now I have a new one and an old one. But the selling point was that it got better gas mileage than anything else that I own, <laughs> and it looks pretty. it looks pretty good, too, so... Yeah, those Lincolns look pretty good. They're good-looking cars. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, back to racing. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to a bunch is the Bristol Dirt Race, and I think a lot of people are, you know, because they, they've been going on, uh, they've been racing the, the dirt track, I guess, most of the month already with different different uh, types of dirt cars and different series and it's turning out to be a really good thing. I, I had heard something to where there was like 1,400 people or entries that wanted to compete or something like that. Yeah, um, you can find a picture. I mean, you can find a picture on Facebook of the little little, uh, little local track cars that run every week on local tracks, and they uh-huh. they've got them in the infield at Bristol, and they're easily easily over a thousand of them. Oh wow. I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen so far about not only the surface, the lap times, um, just the amount of people that want to go do that. Because, you know, remember the last couple of years they've had something like a street stock nationals at Bristol or something like that. And, you know, this is kind of that times a thousand with the, with the dirt because it appeals to so many people. But what I'm impressed about is the amount of NASCAR drivers that are stepping down to a dirt late model or the truck race, uh, or something. I mean, it, it's it's going to be a pretty big thing this weekend and next. You know, this weekend, um, Chase is driving, I don't know if it's his own late model or he's driving somebody else's, but he's running a late model. I think Kyle Busch and, and uh, Larson, Austin Dillon. Um, I haven't seen Briscoe's name mentioned anywhere, but he comes from a dirt background, so I'd imagine that he's going to show up somewhere in one of these i don't even know if they're doing um i don't know if they're doing sprint cars or midgets or anything like that i you know i am not too educated on the whole bristol month of 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 schedules but um you know one thing that uh, i'm looking amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development 
online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. If you're in need of a property insurance partner to help your business remain resilient, FM Global is the perfect choice. We employ science, data, and research to help assist you in making informed risk mitigation decisions. We will collaborate with you to identify and reduce risks linked to natural disasters while providing solutions that promote a more sustainable future. Let's prepare to prosper. Looking forward to is, is just the, the NASCAR weekend of, of the trucks and the Xfinity, uh, Xfinity I don't think is even running, but the trucks and the and the Cup Series and how many people are, are jumping to this and jumping to that. I saw today where Stuart Friesen, um, you know, truck driver, truck racer, who is, a, you know, comes from a very well-known dirt background. It's running his first, uh, making his Cup debut um, in the and for the Bristol race. And I saw where, you know, people like Kevin Harvick is going to run the truck race and, you know, a few people like that. And I think this there's just this mystique to this weekend that was kind of like when the trucks went to Eldora for the first time back in 2013, you know, that was just, that was an event and that was a weekend to where everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody wanted to watch it. Everybody wanted to go there. And it was that weekend that nobody really cared about the, the cup drivers coming down to the trucks or, the Xfinity drivers going to trucks or, or whatever, you know, that was a weekend where I don't think anybody cared about that because they just, they were excited about NASCAR returning to dirt. They were excited to see, you know, the NASCAR guys tackle the dirt, try excited to see how the trucks were going to handle it. And I, I think you'll see that again, the next weekend, whether it be, you know, the cup or the trucks, I think that just everybody's going to be excited about it. I still am very intrigued to, to see one of those cars on track, you know, because if you watch the videos right now, the dirt cars are doing like 15 second laps, kind of like what the cup cars would do if it was asphalt. Now you can't put, an, you can't put a dirt late model on an asphalt track and expect it to run the same lap. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really curious about the cup cars cause they're so much heavier you know, they're not quite designed to be on a dirt surface. And so, you know, I'm going to make a guess and say they might do 17, 18 second laps. I don't think it's going to be quick, but I'm interested to see if it's going to be a disaster or not. Well, you know, the thing I keep thinking about is what about the splitter? How high are they going to raise the cars to keep the splitter from being a tractor blade? Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, because I remember watching the trucks Del Dora, and those things were way off the ground. You know, they, yeah. they, uh, you know, they they gas it out of turn two, and I mean, you can just see them. It's not you can only fit your hand under it. It's like you can fit, you know, a a, a case of Coke or something underneath that, uh, or even more than that. You know, and it's uh, so it. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to say the least. And, you know, just, I don't even have a favorite, you know, obviously Larson is the, is the favorite, but, and he probably is, but I think also that Kyle Larson will overdrive that thing or he has the possibility to drive it too hard. 
and I think that he he is going to take no prisoners. And if he doesn't win, then he's going to fence it trying. You know, he's going to put that thing in the fence, ride the fence, whatever, until he he can't no more. Because that when they had the Eldora truck races, Larson was the same way. It took him three or four years to win the truck race there, because every race he would go in and he would drive that thing like it was on fire but and he would end up destroying his truck trying to get to the front but it was fun watching him yeah it was we've got about three minutes left cody but when when you're talking about this and you're talking about all the current cup drivers how long has it been since any of them been front on dirt how long has kyle bush ever raced on dirt or has he always run asphalt yeah, I mean, because I, I think back to when they had the prelude to the dream back years ago. Uh, you know, that was I always enjoyed watching that because it was, you know, just so fun to see the, the cup guys, you know, jump down to dirt and see if they could do it. So he's had some dirt experience. It's probably been a while. And, of course, you know, the uh, the iRacing guys have, I, I guess they have Bristol dirt on there, but, um, you know, that's a big training tool. You know, like I've, I've said before, I'm a big advocate of, of sim racing because it is so accurate. It's just crazy how closely related they, you know, they can laser scan all those tracks and cars and make it feel, you know, by, by driving this computer simulator. So I'm sure that they've all been practicing on that religiously. Um, I'm really excited, though. I mean, I, I hate that I'm going to miss it on Sunday, but I'll definitely have it recorded and I'll try not to read any emails or get on facebook or you know look at any notifications until i do watch it you know because that's one of those things where i don't want to know who won i want to see the whole thing because that's going to be something to remember for a long time well i'll text it to you as soon as it's over (laughs) okay i'll just have to block your number then no i I wouldn't do that i know what you mean i like to to do it that way too but you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a lot of things that are coming up, but I'm I'm just really beginning to worry about NASCAR and the people they're hiring and the people they're putting in these management positions that have absolutely no experience, have absolutely no knowledge of stock car racing. You know that that worries me. It really does. Yeah, because it you know a lot of stuff like that is. And I've been in positions like that before in life to where, you know, uh, you know, people get hired just because of their corporate background, not because of what they know about the job itself, yeah. you know, and that's, um, so, Well, this last guy, know. this last guy that they hired a couple of weeks ago, I bet he doesn't even know what a checkered flag is. That's how far it's gone. All right, we're down to our final minute, Cody, and as you know, every week we talk about how quickly these 30-minute segments go by. And, you know, I don't know what to do about it because they just fly by. And Well, they, they do, but, you know, I, I appreciate doing them. And, you know, I, I try every week to bring something a little bit different. Sometimes it's, you know, it's like, you know, we didn't talk about Phoenix because just there wasn't much to talk about, you know. That's and right. We just keep hyping, hyping up this, uh, this Bristol race, and I think it's going to be, what I'm going to talk about next week too, <laughs> a little yeah. bit of Atlanta, and oh. definitely the week after, you know. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it for sure, and I hope that 
you know, it, it, it is just a banner day and the TV ratings are through the roof. And, uh, well, I know that they sold out their, their allotted amount of tickets a good while ago. So we'll see. All right, Cody, you have a wonderful week and we will be talking to you next Tuesday night. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon, Cody. Bye-bye. Bye. Now that we have your attention, Thank you for listening to iCast Media, the Freedom Network. Visit us at iCast.network. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, it is time we get Mr. Will Richard on the phone here. And let's get into our third and final segment. This is this is a show I enjoy doing. finish what I'll say and I enjoy doing all of them. Okay, hello Will and how are you and what is going on? I'm doing pretty good. It rained here all day so I didn't have to, well typically I would enjoy actually going out and you know throwing football or hitting baseball or something but haven't got to do that so it's going to be more of a relaxing week for me it seems like because it's going to rain the next few days so got home a little bit earlier than I typically would on a Tuesday, cooked, now sitting relaxing and uh, ready to talk a little bit of racing. Had a great time at Fayetteville, so I figure we'll probably spend a majority of our time talking about some sprint cars in Fayetteville. Good, I would like that. But let me ask you before we get much further, when are you and Susie getting married? We are getting married April 10th. Okay, because I was looking through my notes that I had been taking down during some of the shows and saw that that was coming up soon. But let me put it on my calendar right now. All right, while I'm trying to find yep. April 10th on my calendar, go ahead and start talking about <laughs> what you want to talk about. Yeah, so you know, just to finish that up, so I will go ahead and tell you plenty of time in advance. It will probably be back-to-back weeks. I probably will not be on the show. That's 13th, I'll be, I'll be in Florida. In the 20th, I'll have just gotten back from an 11-day trip. So I'll probably try to stay as, 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 as mild-mannered as possible. All right, so, so you'll um, be gone yeah, the thir- 13th and the 20th? 13th and the 20th. Okay, I will go ahead and mark that, and I appreciate you letting me know. All right, I've got it on the calendar, so now we know. But I don't know why that just popped out of me today, and I knew it was coming up. I just didn't know when. All right, let's talk about sprint car racing. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, again, um, I, I do a little bit of social media work for the Tribodyne Carolina Sprint Tour, a uh, 305 Chevrolet uh, block engine sprint car tour, wing sprint cars that run through North and South Carolina. We may one day try to dabble a little bit in Georgia. We will see. But uh, we run the Carolinas. I think this year we've got 19 races over eight different facilities and just a really great group of guys kind of a family uh, of sprint car guys you know you have different size engines that the, the, most people are more familiar with the 410 sprints um that, that are the world of outlaws um i believe i've heard some guys say there's some 360s and stuff in that kind of range and then we run a 305 but 305 is getting more and more popular um in the south obviously there's not a ton of sprint car racing period so we're really the i, I think there may be one other series but i I'll, I'll be honest i've never heard of them before um, so we, in what I would say are the predominant sprint car racing series in the South, 
um, or at least in the southeast, more specifically the Carolinas. Um, and so, uh, you know, Great Sears has been around. I believe they've been around for close to a decade. Um, I've been able to obviously see them run a handful of times. I'm not going to be able to go to every single race this year, but had a blast in Fayetteville. We kicked off our season Friday and Saturday night with a doubleheader, the Mike Jackson Memorial. So, Mike Jackson, I know me and you've uh, talked about him before, and I've yeah. mentioned him before. He was, a, he was a competitor all the way through last season. He even finished second in points. And um, he, he had a battle with cancer that's lasted multiple years. His larynx got taken out at one point where he couldn't talk any longer. Still kept battling, still kept showing up at the racetrack, still wanted to do what he loved, which is, which is drive race cars. He's been racing for 30 years. His, his last year was his 30th year racing, um, and he has been heavily involved. He's from up in North, uh, I believe in New York. Um, really, most of his career was up north, and I believe he even ran a track up north. I don't know the name of that particular track, but has dabbled in about everything you can racing. And um, his wife, Holly, and some family were there this past weekend. And uh, we honored him. Again, obviously the race was named the Mike Jackson Memorial Back-to-Back Nights. They sold lap sponsorships, and a lot of that was in honor of Mike. Um, we spread, or his wife spread some of his ashes onto the racetrack. That was one of his final requests. Um, so that, that just shows you his level of passion for racing. Um, again, been in it for three decades. And obviously, you, you hate to see a competitor, you know, you, you don't want to see anybody lose their life, um, especially walking into this situation. You know, it was it was crazy. I started this social media gig, and probably my first week or two with the gig is when Mike passed. Mm. And so, you know, learning a little bit about him there, obviously, I never got to meet him. I never got to talk to him. I've heard so much. We were, uh, we had a good gathering, a little um, little potluck lunch this past weekend on, on Saturday, um, the second night of, of, the, uh, of the weekend. And, you know, they had a bunch of pictures of Mike. And um, they actually, his wife got a plaque made with his face and the Mike Jackson Memorial that we actually, she gave to the winner on Saturday night. Oh, that's um, nice. So just, oh, it, it was really, really cool because we didn't, nobody knew about that until the day of the race, um, day of the second race. Um, and we had a great showing this weekend, I believe. So people that aren't familiar, typically 24 sprint cars will start the A-Main um, for, the, for the main event. So night one, I believe we had 34 cars that were primed and ready. Night two, we had, we lost one or two, but we had one or two come that didn't join us the first day. So I believe we had 33 for the second day. Um, so both nights, there were going to be multiple drivers going home. And I know that may not sound fun, but that's a great thing when you're looking at a sprint car field. That means you had plenty of drivers that showed up um, ready for action. And so... Uh, really, really fun night. Great field of drivers. Um, a lot of them are, are regulars that will run with the series all year long. But we had a good many, I would say maybe even a third of the cars, were guys that were from up north that either had a connection with Mike um, and his family back in his racing days. Uh, maybe they just, you know, they obviously have 305 motors. There are a lot of 305 series up north. So they took this opportunity to honor Mike and to come race down here in the south. In the south. Uh, so it was really, really cool to see so many people support it outside of the Carolinas. I know for a fact there were at least two drivers that came together out of New York. I believe there's a few more out of Pennsylvania. So a ton of Northerners um, that came and ran 305s with us this past weekend. And just, it was a blast. And you start, you know, I, the, obviously I know the owner of the series fairly well. Um, he is a, a competitor in the series. Um, but, you know, he, he's about as good of a guy as I've been able to meet in racing. Great guy. Um, all about making sure other people are taken care of. I mean, he, he, um, 
just an example over the weekend, I, and I, I, I try to avoid using names and stuff just because, you know, how it is when, when, when somebody owns a series and races in a series, people try to say this and that when that's not the case with what's going on. But, um, you know, he's obviously the contact I've had the most with. Great personality. Uh, people at Lawrence, when they come and drive at Lawrence, that's how I even got started knowing the series, was they come to Lawrence twice a year. Um, fan favorite there. Just a great personality, a great guy. And just to, as an example of the family that this racing series is, is you know, I can't you, there was probably five, six, seven drivers that would come over to his trailer and use parts. Hey, can I use this? Hey, can I? His crew guys, who I became really good buddies with over the weekend, they were helping rebuild other guys' cars. I know for a fact there's another driver. Um, he runs a – now, I'm fine saying his name. Ben McCall runs a, a very beautiful Autism Speaks puzzle piece sprint car. And uh, Friday night in the main event, he got up into the wall, and he pretty much broke the rear end of the car. Mm. And I know for a fact – his crew and some of the, the the other crew I was discussing stayed up till 5.30 in the next morning to get his car rebuilt um, so he could go race Saturday night. And so, you know, just I had a blast seeing the, the – everybody was happy and in a good mood. Everybody was wanting to go racing. Everybody was having fun. Everybody got along. Everybody helped each other. And it was just really, really cool to see that dynamic um, that, that happens in this racing series. And, and it makes a person like me really want to work hard for this series moving forward. Yeah, I can understand that because obviously that is a very dedicated bunch of racers. Kind of reminds me of the late model sportsmen from back in the 60s and 70s. Right, and and, and here's one of the honest things about it is if this series didn't exist, there really wouldn't be sprint car racing happening in the Carolinas. So these guys that are all, the the regulars of the series who all live in the Carolinas, but more specifically a lot of them in, in North Carolina, you know, they're doing this so they have somewhere to race. Um, you know, they're not, you know, no, nobody's pocketing money from this thing. It, it, it's, it, you know, as with most traveling series, everybody's doing this because of their passion for racing. And, um, you know, you know, you sit there and talk and wonder, you know, why is sprint cart racing not big, bigger in the South? More specifically, I want to say more in the Carolinas because Georgia, you see some sprint car stuff. Florida has a couple of World of Outlaw races you see, but it's, in the Carolinas, you just don't really see it very often outside of the occasional world of outlaw event the world finals um and you're just curious as to why because those things are wild i mean those things are are, you can be great and have a half a lap lead one lap and you can bobble and get in lap traffic and you can be getting passed for the lead the next lap and i mean they're just incredible race cars to watch um scary things to watch i can tell you that much but um we just had a really, really good night. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun over the weekend. Two days, two great races. Obviously, we had two full fields of 24 sprints every both nights. And uh, really packed B-mains both nights. So, obviously, for folks that may be less familiar, B-mains, or, or think of it as a last-chance qualifier, we would take the – the way we would do it is they would have four heat races, and this was all determined by a random field draw. Four heat races, um, and they would determine the top 18 by passing points. You get a certain amount of points from – where you finished to where you or where you started to where you finished. So if you pass this many guys, that adds this many points to your point total to the finishing position. So the top 18 both nights were determined by passing points. Well, then we would take the top six from the B main. Top six heads up. Whoever finishes first through six heads up, they get in the main event. Great racing all the way around. Um, night one was really, really smooth. We really didn't have any problems. We had a, one or two spins. Night two, we had a little bit more 
uh, carnage. I, I didn't really get to see it because I was on the end of the track, but I know we had one guy get get um, get sideways on, not really on his lid, but the car the car sat on the track sideways with its mm. wheels up in the air. Um, we had a couple, we had one or two rough hits that it took take taking place, um, but everybody was okay. Everybody was good. We didn't have any crazy scary moments in the night, and um, you know, just just two different winners on the two different nights. Uh, actually, our night one winners from uh, I think I believe it's Hammersville, Ohio, um, and then our, our our night two winners from North Carolina, one of the Carolina local boys. So, um, just all around, I, you know, I look back at the weekend and, and it was tiring. I, I, I drove home after Saturday, um, and then we didn't leave the track until like twelve forty-five, and so. I didn't get home until 8 o'clock in the morning. The drive's not that long, but I'm terrible on long drives, especially at night. I don't know if it's the darkness that just makes my mind think I need to be asleep. But I drove for maybe an hour and a half, and then I parked, parked it at a, at, a, at a pilot, and I just took a nap for an hour and a half, two hours, and then got back up and got home. And obviously the time, so realistically, it would have been about 7 a.m. when I got home. But with the time change, it was 8 a.m. when I got home. So uh, it was a long night. But uh, you look back at it and you say, man, I, I had a lot of fun this past weekend. And I'm trying. Their, their season finale is also at Fayetteville in October, and they have another doubleheader. They only have two doubleheaders. They start the season off with one. They end the season off with one. So my goal is I'm trying to talk my fiance, which will then be wife, Susan, that we're going to try to go for the finale. Both of the tracks that I work at are done for the season as of now when that date rolls around. And so hopefully we can go down there and have a little bit of fun because apparently I learned this afterwards because i'm not a big partier person but you know occasionally you want to hang out with your buddies it happens those guys have more fun after the races than they had during the races how severe is their partying well I, I don't know what all happened in the first night but i do know the second night i came home and i woke up to a video of uh, uh, one of the crew guys that i became buddies with they, his nickname is brake pad i'd have no clue how he got that uh younger guy a little bit younger than me they had this pit bike. Everybody's familiar with pit bikes and dirt racers. So they had this pit bike, and he'd been riding around all weekend and stuff, and we had joked earlier in the day about him jumping the thing. So I look up, and there's a video of a sprint car wing with a piece of wood right in front of it, and he's jumping a sprint car wing on this pit bike. And I know he, he – I think he made like 170 some dollars because people said he wouldn't do it. Huh. And uh, so they had a blast. Um, that apparently, the, and this is after the second night, so a uh, little bit of little bit of drinking involved. You know, hey, as long as you're doing it safely, I'm all for having a good time. And um, you know, most of the people slept right there at the track, or they went to the hotels right down from the track, woke back up Sunday morning and went home. But uh, they had a lot of fun, from what I've heard. Sounds like it, boy. I remember some of the parties in the infield at Old Columbia Speedway after the sportsman races. There'd be there. I'm not going to name any names either, but there are about six guys in late model sportsmen that could party. Ooh. Yeah, that's something. I'm not. I'm not personally a big drinker, a big partier. I'm just. That's never been me. You know, I'm occasionally I'll have some friends over at the house and we'll have some drinks, and I'm mostly at, at my own house. We we'll have a fire in the backyard or something. But it, it sounds like a lot of fun um, when you have a good game plan. You know who's going to drive. You know where you're going to be. You're all going to be safe. So I, I'm hoping maybe in October to have a little bit more of that side of it. Stay, you know, you're already up till 12:30 in the morning just because the races don't end till midnight. Um, and so, you know, it, you know, I, I'm hoping to partake in October to partake in, in a little bit more 
uh, non-racing fun along with those guys. It's just like I said, it's a great group of guys, a lot of really good personalities, um, guys you can walk up and talk to, and uh, just uh, just seems like a lot of fun. And, and like I said, I've really really enjoyed myself and, and the hospitality that was really unspoken. You know, there is nobody was trying to say, hey, we're going to make you feel like you, you know, we want you to part of this family. It just naturally happens that way. Um, people are nice. People want to know who you are. You're taking pictures and and doing this and doing that. So. It was a lot of fun, and uh, to, to go on the road and, 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 and technically be working and just taking pictures and videos of race cars is never too bad of a gig to have. No, and you know, we've been talking off and on for a long time here about grassroots racing and your local track racing, and what you're telling me from all three of the tracks that you're involved with, all this local grassroots racing is alive and well in spite of the rumors you hear to the contrary. Oh, the, 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 the asphalt racing is maybe what's struggling. Asphalt local racing is probably, they've got to change something or, or they're going to be in trouble in the next decade. Now, Anderson Motor Speedway, the track that I had been working at, they had their season opener this past Friday. Obviously, I wasn't there. I heard things went well, though. I heard they had a pretty solid car count. Greenville Picking Speedway, I haven't really heard a ton, but I've heard they struggled even in the, on their opening night. Um, Asphalt racing is definitely in trouble. They're going to have to make things cheaper, more affordable, and dirt is such an attraction right now. I mean, just for instance, now this is a track I don't work for. I've only been a handful of times. Travelers Rest Speedway in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. I believe it was Saturday night. They pulled a, a, over 140 cars between okay. five or six divisions. I mean, they had a, a low ton of race cars. Now, unfortunately, they didn't get to their mains because of rain. Um, but they had qualifying and hot laps and heat races and stuff, from what I heard. But I'm talking, and they said the fans, they've never seen that track packed out as much as it was. There were people parking on the other side of the little highway that, that track sits on. Well, see, um, I, I thought so, Travelers Rest Speedway went out of existence years ago. Oh, no. Nope. It, 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 I think it faded away a little bit, and they've had some new promoters and stuff going on. Now, that promoter, I don't know him personally. I've heard you kind of either love him or you hate him, but... No matter what, he's, he's getting people to the racetrack. So, I mean, that that's a good part no matter what. Um, you know, asphalt racing, which may be a topic we want to talk about down the road or today or whenever, asphalt racing is the one that's really got to figure something out um, when it comes to the grassroots stuff because dirt is booming right now. I mean, you, you a bad night on dirt um, for some asphalt tracks would be a good night car count-wise. Now, that's not always necessarily the case. There are some asphalt tracks that I'm sure in the Carolinas that do not have a problem. Um, you know, I've never been able to go up to Bowman Gray, which I desperately want to go to, um, or Caraway and places like that. Um. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit I'm sure they may not have as many problems as some of the other tracks, but, you know, there's a reason you see more asphalt tracks getting closed up than you necessarily do dirt tracks. Dirt right now has 
has been booming as of late. And, and I think I think a lot of that is also look at the NASCAR guys. A lot of them are dirt guys. Kyle Larson and Christian Will, they've made – dirt's always been cool, but they've made dirt even more cool to more people. Um, and so, like, me, me personally, I'm a perfect example. If you would have asked me three or four years ago, I don't know which one I would have chosen, but I probably would have leaned more towards asphalt racing if I were to go to a Saturday night race. Um, now, obviously, part of it's a little different because I, I get – you know, I work for dirt tracks, so, of course, that's where I'm going to go now, but – working through these dirt tracks for the last year or so, if I'm choosing to go to, from a dirt race to an asphalt race, I'm choosing dirt nine out of ten times. Um, I, I would rather at this point go to a dirt track on a Friday or Saturday night than I would asphalt track. And I don't know, I sort of I guess I have my reasons for that, but, but I've noticed that same personality change in me just over the last, you know, 12, 14 months. Well, I started racing on dirt, and I enjoy dirt, I love dirt, like to race on it, but when I got on my first asphalt track, I fell in love with asphalt. I mean, there was so much difference, I think, in the speed and in the uh, G-forces and the turns and everything else, and I just really got hooked on the asphalt tracks. I, if I had a chance to go back racing, I'd probably take asphalt, but I sure want to give a whirl at dirt one more time. Yeah, you know, it's I, and I've got—I still got so much respect for both. Obviously, at a national level, I'm, I'm an asphalt guy. I don't have enough time or patience to keep up with the world of outlaw guys. Um, I mean, when, when you're racing almost every night of the week, I just don't have the time to keep up with it. And a lot of the races are not live on national television. You've got to buy this package and that, and go to this website. And I just don't have time for all of it. And that's the benefit of NASCAR—they have national television contracts. You know exactly when the race is going to be on. So, um, you know, there's still a ton of respect for both. Uh, I think it's more of just. When I look at dirt, I think Bubba Pollard, and we may have mentioned this, but Bubba Pollard talked about it, and obviously everybody knows Bubba Pollard, huge and super late models on asphalt. I didn't know this, but also run some dirt stuff. And, and he was talking about how dirt is really starting to take over. And the way I think he described it is, you look at asphalt racing, it's, it, it's really, it's not as creative anymore as it used to be. The cars have to fit this certain template. There's not a ton you can do with the cars. There's not a lot of stock anymore in the cars. There's not a lot of hand craftsmanship in the cars anymore. He goes in dirt cars. I can go roll out pieces of metal to a dirt late model at my house right now. Um, there's not as many regulations on dirt racing. Um, you have a little bit more freedom, a little bit ways to get creative and, and, and do certain things that you can't do with asphalt stock cars anymore. And so, you know, I think that part of the play, I feel like NASCAR... And just all of asphalt racing feels more of like a kind of a robotic system. Things have to be so tight to the template that we want you to be. There's not a lot of freedom. It's kind of lost some of its creativity. When on the dirt side, creativity is everywhere, from stock divisions. Who, who, can, who, can, who can get the motor just a little bit better? Who can have just a little bit better aero on a stock car or on a, these stock eights or, or thunder bombers or whatever your stock division is called? Um, you know, on your late models, there's even things you can still tweak a little bit. Your front-wheel drive, which everybody, if you've never seen a front-wheel drive race, just picture a Chevy Cavalier or a Saturn racing around on dirt or asphalt. You know, those are guys, those are cars that guys literally took off the road, were probably in a junkyard, they bought for 500 bucks, they put a new motor in it, they did this, they did that, and they put a roll cage in it and they went out there and raced. There's creativity to that. Who can get the motor just a little bit better? Who can get aero just a little bit better? 
And I feel like a lot of times with asphalt, more specifically stock cars, you've kind of lost that element because you have to the, – the, the, the rule book is so tight. There's no longer really any freedom anymore when in dirt – it, that's not the case. Dirt is still sort of a loose rule book. They might have a shock rule. They might have a little bit of a motor rule. But other than that, you can still tweak on things and try new things on your setups. And I think that could be making the difference. Well, I think you've got a good point. It could be making a great deal of difference. But, you know, as far as Anderson Speedway, that's always – I love that track. It's a great track. Greenville Pickens, I'm sorry to hear they're having trouble. That's been a track – God, I can't even, however many times I've been there, it's unreal, and that's a beautiful speedway, and I love it. And that was also the site yeah. of the first flag-to-flag televised NASCAR race, too. Yep, yep. So, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, you know, I've always told people, it, it, it's been disappointing. You know, I'm not at Grimmel Pickens. I've never worked at Grimmel Pickens. I've been to a handful of races there throughout my years. Um, I've seen some decent big names win uh, back when the K&N series uh, used to come there. And, you know, there's certain people you hear their names float around that you can kind of say maybe they were part of the reason that that the track has kind of fallen apart. Um, But it's really been the last decade where the track has lost a lot of momentum. But obviously, I don't work there, so I can't pinpoint what the sole issue is. But it is so disappointing to see a track with so much history. um, And occasionally they have a big race. Last year they had a a big 200-lap race that Josh Berry won, and that was the highest-paying stock car race in America. Because there was another race that got COVID took it out, so thirty thousand dollars to win last year, and I was at that race. Um, you know, there's still its moments, but you know, Greenville Pickens should, by and large, be the most popular racetrack in the Upstate of South Carolina. And if I had to guess, it probably is lower on the totem pole of of attraction racetracks now. Um, again, part of the asphalt thing that we talked about, but you know, that I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's prize money. I don't know if it's personnel i have no clue but they have struggled to have cars at times the last handful of years and i mean you know maybe it's biased to me but but i tend to like the racing at anderson just a little bit better but there is no debating the history of general picking speedway laps the history of anderson motor speedway by miles i mean the things that have happened at Greenville picking speedway are amazing and it's frustrating and, and disappointing to see a track that 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 you know, Greenville Pickens Speedway should be one of those tracks that people are wanting the truck series to go back to or ARCA to go to. And it should be, I mean, it has enough history and it should be respected enough that it should actually make that list. Absolutely. It should be talked about. But but it's not. The, the reputation has fallen so far down. And obviously there's a ton of renovations that would have to happen in Greenville Pickens Speedway. But, you know, we forgot. That's one of the tracks that are so historic and now we've forgotten it. And I don't know if it's just, I mean, I guess part of me would have to say it's gotten to be because of the lack of popularity as of late. I mean, you see certain other tracks, like a South Boston, I believe that's in Virginia, Kern County in California, the fairgrounds in Tennessee. Those tracks have stayed relevant, and you every now and then you start hearing those those tracks get thrown out for maybe a, a, an Xfinity day, a truck day. You don't ever hear about Greenville Pickens Speedway anymore in that kind of regard, and, and it should be there. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's arguably a top five most historic track in the entire country. Well, um, for thought, what has happened there. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Will, and I think so. But the last time I was up there that I, I can remember was about 1995 or 96 for a Goodies Dash race. And the, that facilities then were first class, just like they had always been in all my hundreds of previous trips up there. 
you know, from the from the press box to the to grandstands to the infield availability of everything there. It was just, it was great. So I hate to think. Right. It, it, and, and, it, and it probably still is. Like I said, I've never worked there, so I don't know the, the working side of the track. Um, but, but, you know, I don't, again, I don't know if it's promoting. I don't know if it's, if it's money. I have no clue what the, what the regards are. And, um, but it's, it's just plain and simple. That track has lost a lot of steam. And this is not me trying to bash the racetrack. You know, you want to see great racing happening in the upstate. I want to be around people that, that want to go see race cars. I want to be able to get my friends to go to the racetrack. Um, but it just has not happened recently, especially with asphalt racing, more specifically in the upstate, the Greenville Pick and Speedway. Now, don't get me wrong. They still sell some tickets. You still get a lot of the backstretch filled up. You still get some fans in the grandstands. Um, usually I make it out there maybe once a year. If there's a weekend and I'm not doing something, they have a pretty solid race coming there. So I'm not by any means trying to say Greenville Pickens is dead and it's on its deathbed, but it is definitely not to where I would think it should be um, for, for, for the history that has happened there. Um, and it's just disappointing to see that there's so many big names that have ran there, David Pearson, Ralph Earnhardt. Um, you know, um, there's another one I'm trying to th- – I can't think of his name. Uh, Robert Presley, I mean – big names that have made it to the cup series and done big things in all forms of NASCAR that have ran there um, and, and accomplished things there. And there's, I'm sure Dylan Hart senior ran there at some point. I'm sure Richard Petty and them ran there at some point. They probably all ran there when it used to be back on the schedule, obviously. Um, you know, there's been so many names that have graced that racetrack and won at that racetrack. And it's just disappointing to see them kind of fall behind it from what it seems to be an, from an outside perspective. Yeah, it is sad because all my memories of, of being up there, I think probably my first trip up there was in the late 60s, sometime probably 68, 67, 68. And then I would go periodically once, twice, three times a year right on through that 95 Goodies Dash race. And I always saw great racing, you know, and 98% of the time, Cotton Owens was there in the pits just hanging around after he finished his uh, Grand National cars. He would come down hanging around in the pits, and I got to know Cotton really, really, really well, thanks to Greenville Picking Speedway. And think it's just things right. like that that you remember about the historic end of it. Just looking at the, and then because I know where time's about out, just looking at the list of people who won it for Greenville Picking. So the Cup Series ran there from 1955 to 1971. Tim Clock, Buck Baker, just I'm reading the main, the big names. Junior Johnson, Ned Jarrett, uh, multiple times. Richard Petty, multiple times. David Pearson, Leroy Yarborough, um, said Bobby Isaac. I mean, just big time names that won there a ton over the years. I mean, it, it, the cream of the crop has won at that racetrack, and it's just a shame that we haven't necessarily seen that reputation be able to kept up. And hopefully, something changes in my lifetime. I'd hate for that track. You know, I remember a couple years ago there was rumors the track wouldn't even host races. Yeah. Hey, hold um, on. Hold, give me 20 seconds, Will, for network ID. Now that we have your attention, thank you for listening to ICAST Media, the Freedom Network. Visit us at ICAST.network. Now, back to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, th- this is just a, such an interesting analogy of a track that that you know of and that I absolutely loved once upon a time 
and I didn't want to leave it hanging and just throw out the end of the show right there because I think both of us have enough respect for that track that we would like to see it come back and really succeed. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, even looking at more recent winners when the Canaan Series was there, Joey Logano was one there, Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace back in the day, Brett Moffitt, uh, Corey LaJoy, Ben Rhodes, William Byron, Justin Haley, all of those guys had wins at that historic racetrack. And, you know, I, I'd like to think that it's going to come around one day. I feel like it's too historic to to not get some sort of rebirth. And maybe it's happening, but I don't even realize it already. But, um, you know, right now, Dirt is, is doing doing a, a, a lot in the local racing world. And obviously, I'd like to see some asphalt kind of come back. Uh, obviously, both ends are great. Both have benefits. You see great drivers come from both. And so... All we can hope for, period, point blank, is that these local tracks, you know, go out and support your local tracks. We've got to keep Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Around because the last thing you want to do is never support them and then wonder in two, three, four years why you no longer have a local racetrack anymore. That's exactly what happened to Columbia Speedway. And I think when that track closed in 76, that broke my heart because I had grown up in that infield out there. And now that, yeah. it's, now that it's back on the kind of I don't think it's officially been designated a historic place, but it is a City of KC event facility now, and they put on all kinds of different things go on to shows and everything else going there. So for that part of it, it still exists, and I'm glad for that. I really am. But you're right. We can't throw away the grassroots. Before we, before we get out of here, um, I just want to ask you, how far are you from Sumter Speedway? I am about an hour and five minutes from Sumter Speedway. I used to go down there, uh, you know, probably every third week or so. And then they got yep. where, where they're running 25 classes of cars. And you were, if you stayed through it all, you didn't get out of there till 2 o'clock in the morning. Then it was an hour. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, that was an hour. Yeah, that's drive. definitely. I don't agree with racetracks that do that. But if you get the chance, I won't be there, but the Carolina Sprint Tour, their next race is April 17th at Sumter Speedway. Oh, so okay. Anybody sort of in, anybody sort of in that Columbia area um, or surrounding cities, April 17th, Sumter Speedway, that will be the Carolina Sprint Tour, officially their third race of the season, second stop on the season. So they're going to race be there for one night. Um, and I believe that is their only stop there. I've got the schedule right here. That is their only stop at Sumter Speedway this year. So if people want to see sprint car racing around the Columbia area and surrounding cities, that is your perfect opportunity. You know, go watch these guys that I just spent two days with. It should be a good show. They've all got a month to rebuild and get their cars ready. So hopefully we'll have a, a full field come Sumter time. Let's be sure and mention that every week, Will, until you get married. I mean, you know, until it happens. You know, okay. yeah, I, I just think that's important because that is a series with which I'm not too familiar, but familiar enough to know that uh, 
you know, there's a lot of it going on, a lot of things that we need to know. So, right. Anyway, so that is a good thing, and I want to thank you again for bringing us a fantastic look at sprint car racing and at Greenville Pickens tonight. I, th- I think it was an absolute great effort on your part. I thank you for it, Will. Well, I appreciate being on, and uh, with that being said, I guess I will holler at you again next week. You will for sure. Okay. You have <laughs> you have a good week. Go get your supper if you haven't had it already. You too. See you. All right. Thanks, Will. All right, folks, we've come to the end of another show, although I've got to uh, run this out. Let me let me go over here and throw a little 1944 coupe music on you. And we'll be back in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. I got a 44 coupe running all night. Taking the back road state outside. 99 gallons coming from a creekside still The law says will catch me but I don't think they ever will I got a flathead eight, four on the floor Coming down the mountain bringing some more 99 gallons coming from my daddy's still
Now, that is a song that was originally written for our Thursday night show, Ghost Tracks Race Talk. And, of course, that's one of Bill Blair Jr.'s favorite songs. I wish we had the rights to Marty Robbins' 20th Century Drifter. I think that is the quintessential, if ever there was, a racing song. I love that song. In fact, back in the days of the CB, the 20th Century Drifter was my handle. And I've got a plaque in here that the young lady had wood burn for me and shellacked and everything. It says 20th Century Drifter hanging on my wall. So that's a very special song to me. I knew Marty Robbins. I, I got to spend a little bit of time with him doing interviews with him when I was with commercial radio. And I just like the man. I like the man. I love the song. But I don't guess there's any way we can get rights to it. If we did, if we ever do, that's one that we'll play every week on both shows, I'm sure. Okay, as we're winding this down, I want to remind you again about ICAST.network, where membership is free. Just go ICAST.network, sign up, and become a member of the network for all the advantages you get. You'll be able to get a discounted price on a virtual private network, which protects your identity and privacy from the prying eyes of all those people out there in the cyber world. You can, with a VPN, appear to be located almost anywhere on the planet. And we use a VPN here at ICAST.network quite extensively. Also, as a member of ICAST.network, you can join or renew your membership to the NRA at a discounted price. And that is important. Also, there is Cast Chat, which you are, which we are building. It is still in the building stages. But Cast Chat, when you sign up, you can be on chat with anybody that happens to be online at the same time you are, and just talk racing, talk whatever you want on Cast Chat. That is iCast.network. And by joining. Every time you're on there, you're earning ammo points, which will place you in a running for awards cards at the special events that Dan Henson puts on. No no regularly scheduled events at this time, except certainly up at Mount Airy on September the 11th. It is a free membership, and if you earn enough ammo points and want a gift card, it's like getting paid for listening. So all you listeners, whether live or catching us on the archives, how about join up, sign up, ICAST.network. Thanks to all of our listeners who support our shows here on ICAST Media. We really enjoy bringing the past and present of motorsports to you right here each Tuesday and Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. This Thursday night, there will be no show because of different commitments that I have that makes it impossible for us to do that. Also want to express our deepest thanks and appreciation to those serving in the U.S. military and their families who sacrificed so much to keep us free. Remember, all shows are archived within minutes of their conclusion and can be accessed at any time. You email me at timleeming at ghosttracks.racing. You can follow me on Twitter at timleeming83. You can find me on Instagram as Tim Leeming, and you can find me on MeWe as Tim Leeming. Remember to join us in honoring the past, embracing the present, and dreaming for the future. Love you all. 
God bless us, every one. The proceeding was a production of ICAST Media Network. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another The Racing Spotlight show. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show and our 11-year-old young man that we had on, Brandon Wynn. He is a remarkable young man, and his father is just as remarkable. I really enjoyed working with them to get them on the show tonight. It, It was just a great thing. I love to see kids like Brandon doing what he's doing. Good night, all. Love you all. God bless you all. We're gone. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.